step inside my living room Share a little talk By roads walked and lessons learned Keeping the flame of faith burning I wanna know where you've been What you found out Spread some light in the darkness Spread it all about In the height In the height Put it all in the height Avram Rosenzweig began public speaking when he was five years old. Over the last five decades, Avram has mastered the art of public speaking. Today, Avram is a professional speechwriter and speech coach. He offers a wide selection of services that can assist you in preparing for public speaking events, speeches for family or professional occasions, a keynote, a memorial, or a simple toast. Avram can also coach you through articulation and presentation challenges. For all your speech writing needs, send Avram an email at info at hatradio.ca that's info at hatradio.ca hello and welcome back to hat radio my name is avram rosenzweig and this is episode 32 as always i'm absolutely delighted to announce that i was able to secure my dentist and my very dear friend saul kendall as my guest today how are you saul i'm good how are you? I'm doing okay. Now, here's a very interesting thing about this interview. I was just in your, your dentist chair, your dental chair, about a half hour ago. Correct. So I'm actually drooling from the mouth because <laughs> my mouth is frozen. <laughs> so if you sound a little weird, it's okay. Yeah. Saul Candle just put a cap in my mouth, and he did a beautiful job. So if you need a cap, go to Dr. Saul Candle, 416. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I'm really, really excited to have you on the show, and I am, because you and I have been friends since about 1990, which is almost uh, 30 years. Correct. And uh, you also became my dentist after I had met you at the United Jewish Appeal. You were a volunteer there. Um, and immediately, I think you got a bunch of people as your clients. I did, and I still do. You do, right? A lot of UJA people. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Why do they come to you? I don't know. They like me. I, I guess, guess they like you. But that's that's really the crux of it. Like, yeah. you, you say that tongue-in-cheek, but that is the truth. Although you can be a little bit moody and crusty. You know that about For yourself. Sure. Yeah. But the truth of the matter is you are a, a very, very naturally happy man. Thank you. People like you. Most people do. Most people, right? Some don't, but most people Yeah, after they come in for a root canal. Do you do, do, do root I don't do root Not canals. anymore, right? So they don't hate me. No, no, that. no. But, but, but I think you, everybody sort of has a character trait that's the strongest, and then there's a bunch afterwards. To me, when I talked about my dear friend, Dr. Saul Kendall, to me, it's what you have that's the strongest is friendship. That's nice to know. Do, do you agree with that? I think so. It seems to be that way. I've had patients for many, many years. Some who come from far distances just to see me. Do they really? Yes, L they like, do. Like where? I have uh, people from Tweed. I have people from the other side of Hamilton. I have quite a number of patients that come from far. But they do tell me once I retire, they'll be going closer to home. Is that what they say? Yes. Yeah. Do you have plans of retirement? It's in the future. I mean, I could 
I've been doing it for 59 years. I think it's time to slow down a little bit. Well, it's so interesting because uh, are you 83 now? I will be 84 this September. September what? 7th. September 7th. So happy birthday, a preliminary. Thank you. And uh, of the of the guys that you went to school with, dental school with, how many of them are still practicing? I think zero. Zero. I think so. Yeah. So listen. One of my classmates I know is working at a um, school for hygienists. Yeah. So he's like a demonstrator, but I don't think he's active in the field of dentistry. Are you like the the, the strongest um, puppy in the litter? <laughs> <laughs> well, in my family, I'm the only puppy <laughs> since yeah. I'm an only child. Yeah, you're an only <laughs> child. But but seriously, when you meet those guys, you just met up with someone recently who you went to school with, mm -hmm. right? What what do they say to you? Like, Saul, come on, quit already, stop, it's enough. That's, or do they say, way to go? Uh, it's funny. Uh, a few of the younger dentists, younger, I mean, younger than me, and most of them are, uh, a few specialists I send patients to, they will tell me that they're really, what can I say, what's the right word? They think it's great that I'm still working. Do they? And that I'm still sending on patients. They do think it's uh, great. But when I meet some of my classmates, I say, what are you, nuts? <laughs> You're still doing it? Well, that's the way it goes. And why do you, why do you still do it? Because I like it. I like it. And uh, I don't have a lot of hobbies, so I don't want to sit around, drive my wife crazy. Which you would. And as she says to me, I married you for better for worse, but not for lunch. <laughs> Is that what she said? Yeah. That's a that, joke. That's the great thing about your generation. <laughs> handball? <laughs> In quotes. Yeah. Did you play handball? No, I played squash, though. I played tennis. Oh, yeah. You and were... I skied. Right now, I'm having a hip replacement in a week. Hopefully, I'll be able to at least get back to tennis. I'm not sure about skiing. That, I think, is beyond me. Your, your family were serious skiers, right? My kids all skied. My grandkids ski. Yeah. So where would you have gone? Which hills? Oh, God. I've been to Whistler. I've been to Aspen. I've been to Vail. Uh, I've been to uh, Utah. I've been around. I've been to Quebec. A lot of places. Well, were you a good skier? Not particularly. I wouldn't say I was a good skier. I could hold my own. I knew which hills... I should go down and which ones I shouldn't go yeah, down on. Yeah. Uh, never really had any serious damage. So I think it was it was good. D did you have that expensive ski outfit? I had a couple of ski outfits. I had one one-piece red outfit, which Andrea Train, a friend of mine, used to laugh at. <laughs> Why did she laugh at it? I don't know. It? She said it looked funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I had a few other, but no, I didn't have these... Very expensive ski outfits. And did you know the skis that you were wearing? Like, were they top-of-the-line skis and well, poles? I, I, I don't know anything good. about skiing. Yeah, they were okay. But uh, toward the end of my ski time, uh, things changed. The skis became a lot shorter, a lot more maneuverable, a lot easier to do turns. But at that point, I was already finished skiing. So it probably would have been nice to get into that new equipment. You know, it's interesting because as, as uh, coming from a, a, a rabbi's family, like skiing was the last thing we thought I'm about. I'm sure. You know what I mean? Like go study Talmud. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, you could study Talmud on the hills, I guess. I guess you could, going down <laughs> the hill. Coming down the hill. Yeah. Saul, the only time I ever skied once, I went once, and I... Uh, I don't know what happened inside of me. Maybe this is a standard thing in young young guys. I figured, okay, I'm I'm going to be good at this, and I'm going to take the big hill, right? Big mistake. Big mistake. <laughs> and I didn't realize you are supposed to mogul. Of, no, not mogul. Mogul are bumps. So you're supposed you're to, supposed to turn. Like that's how, yeah, you turn. You don't go straight down the hill like a shot out of hell. Like you a turn. Michigan, eh? Yeah. So 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 I went straight down, and I must have been going forty miles an hour. You're right? lucky you didn't kill yourself. I'm lucky. Eventually, I sort of sideswiped a fence, and that slowed me down. Oh, nice. Right. But I, did you ever fall? Oh, I had a lot of falls. Did yeah, you? But, but nothing you, serious. You were never hurt. No. No. So so listen, let's go back to being a dentist for a second. I, I took some information um, about dentistry. Th- there are certain uh, beliefs about dentistry. I think there's some mythology out there, some stereotypes. You know, people say the highest rate of suicide is amongst dentists. Apparently, that's true. I'll tell you a funny story, Arvind. About suicide. <laughs> about dentists. Yeah. Uh, the first week in dental school, we were sitting at a desk. We were actually in a lab. There were three of us, side by side. In walks the president of student council. And he says, listen, welcome, guys. Welcome to the profession of dentistry. I have a few things to tell you. First of all, dentists have the highest suicide rate. This is how he starts. Dentists have the highest drug rate. Dentists have the highest divorce rate. <laughs> dentists have the highest mental issue. We looked at it and said, what the are we doing here? <laughs> Swear, truthfully. He wasn't finished yet. He said, there's three of you at a bench. You look at each other, the three of you. At the end of the year, one of you will be cut. And that's true. There was 75 in our original class, and at the end of the year, there were 50. Really? So it was, yeah. So you're intelligent. I don't know how intelligent. You must be Maybe bright. Maybe I'm lucky. No, you must be bright. Well, I'll tell you what really helped. I went to Harvard Collegiate. With my mother. I don't think I went with you. Well, mother. she was, a, no, you're, my mother would be like 88 now, okay. but she went to Harvard Collegiate. It was a great school. They had great teachers, and because of that, in uh, at that time, we went to grade uh, 13. Yes. You know, we went to fifth year. So as a result of these good teachers, I got a really good education in grade 13. We took uh, chemistry. We took organic chemistry. We took physics. And those were the subjects we took first year in dental school. It wasn't actually first year dental school. The way it was, it was called pre-professional year. And they said, you're in this year, but it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be accepted in the dental school, which was four years afterwards. Yes. But because these subjects were ones that I had already taken in in high school, in grade 13, it was a whiz for me. I mean, I think I stood at a 75 sixth in the class. Really? So it was no problem. Then when you get into dental school, of course, things are different. It's a lot harder. It's, you know, you got to use your hands. You got to use your eyes. You got to use a lot of things. But I, I enjoyed it. It was tough. I met a bunch of good guys. Yeah, Two yeah. of the guys from my high school actually were in my class. Jack Train? Jack Train was not in my class. Jack Train came to me 
1963. I graduated in 60. He came to me as an associate, and yes. he worked in my office. Oh, did he? He did. He worked for one year, got good experience, and then he went out on his own. But and, we've been friends ever since. And he's a trumpet player. He's a trumpet player. He's still a good trumpet so player. So do dentists have personality? Some do, some, some don't. Some do, some don't, right? <laughs> no, so the thing about dentistry, so, so I have a, a small list of things. Um, pros and cons about being a dentist. Number mm -hmm. one is uh, it's it's a respected profession. I think so. So so when you graduated, your parents were still alive. Yes, they were. And your father was a barber. He was right. And 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 we're going to talk about bunkus. Okay. Right. Did I say it right? You said it right. Because generally I don't. But you know what the the English word for bunkus is? Yeah, uh, so cupping. Cupping. So we're going to talk about that in a sec. Okay. So your father was a barber. Was your mother uh, stayed home? Which yes, she, she did. So all of a sudden, uh, their only child, little Saul, is is a dentist. I wasn't so little. Okay, you were actually you were, you were a basketball player. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So the, 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 their only son, Saul, is a dentist. I mean, they must have been over the top. They were pretty proud, I must say. They yeah. must. Do you remember, like, yeah. the graduation? Yeah. 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 Of course, they were there, uh, out on the grass at. U of T, where we took pictures and everything. It was it was a nice. You could nice. see them in your head. Yeah. Oh yeah. What, sure. what, what were your parents' names? Louie and Annie. Yeah, nice people. Very. I think so. Yeah. Were they tall? No, my mother was short. My father was maybe about five ten, eleven. So that's pretty tall for Europeans. And how tall are you? I was taller than I am now. I know you bend over a little bit. Uh, now. Yeah, and I've shrunk. Uh, I was uh, six one and a half, six two. Now I'm probably just nudging under six. You Did you do shrink as you get older? I think I might be shrinking already. I'm, I'm almost, almost 60. Okay, so it's a respected profession. You have the ability to help people. Yeah, but people don't like you. So people that, don't that's like the you. con. People do not like you. Not that they don't like you. They don't like what you do. The first thing many people say, I hate being here. I, I know. You know, that's because, listen, it's not the most pleasant experience let's be honest how do you feel when they say that i said listen i'm going to try and make this visit as pleasant as possible as pain-free as possible you just have to cooperate with me and uh, hopefully we'll get through this and you'll be okay do you feel badly when they say it uh not anymore <laughs> i'm used to it you're used to yeah well what's the worst experience you ever had as a dentist in that light you remember when I walked out, do you? Do you remember that? No. You don't remember? I went to you, and I hadn't been at the dentist for two, three years. Yeah. And going back to the dentist was an ominous thing for me. So I'm sitting in the dental chair, and they start cleaning my teeth, and I just got really spooked. And I said, I have to go. And I stood up I and walked out. That. And you, you yelled at me. I did? Yeah, you yelled at me. You said, Avram. Yeah, you got that. Get I, your ass I, back in no, You scared the shit out of me. <laughs> but today, but you're better now. You're well, you're, like you, I, I, listen, man, I love you, and I think you're a terrific dentist. Oh, thank you. So I feel like I'm in good hands. Well, thank you. So, so what was like the worst thing that ever happened? Kids? Is it kids? It was actually my nephew. He was about eight years old. Yeah. His it was my wife's sister's son. His name was Barry. I remember he came in, he sat in a chair, and I just came close to him. He started yelling and screaming and yelling and screaming. I picked him up and threw him out <laughs> of the office. Did that you? was it. That was the end of Barry. That was not a good experience. He never came back? 
He never came back. I right. don't know whether he went to a dentist or not. Was your sister-in-law Bruegas with you? Was well, she angry? No, she understood. I said, "Listen, I can't, I can't deal with them. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to force them. I'm not going to." There are some dentists that have techniques that I don't approve of. There's uh, some pedodontists. I'm not saying any names. They have a, a thing called the papoose. Where they put it over the kids. So oh, he can't I, move his hands. Here in Toronto? Yeah, I think so. It's legal? Unless, I don't know. Maybe they don't use it anymore. They used to. Not everybody, but that's that's terrible. That would that would scar the kid for life. Now, another thing I have, <laughs> a lot of my patients tell me I'm really afraid because I used to go to a school dentist and he would kill me. Like a lot of guys who didn't open up their own offices worked for the Board of Education. Yes. And maybe they weren't the best of dentists. I don't know. But anyways, they screwed up a lot of people. Listen, I got to tell you something. When I was a kid living in Kitchener, my four sisters and I went to a dentist. His name was uh, Dr. Hamrick. And he, we would regularly have 10 or 11 or 12 cavities. Like, you know my mouth. And you're often saying, well, Avram, you know, you need a crown because you have an old filling yeah. in there, right? I have a lot of old fillings. Yeah. And he never anesthetized us. Yeah. Uh, I went to a dentist who was, I thought, a very good dentist. I had a ton of fillings, which I still have in my mouth. He never anesthetized me. No. But I sat there and... Sure, it hurt a little, but it wasn't bad. It wasn't? It wasn't terrible. No. The drill's the worst was, thing, the sound of it. The drill, the sound. And don't forget, in those days, the high speed wasn't available. I see. So they used the old one, which grinds and grinds and slow, and it takes longer. But I managed. He did a pile of fillings. I still have them in my mouth, and they're fine. Do people keep their mouth open generally? Most of the time. Is that the biggest challenge? Like keep yeah. your, You always tell me, Alfred, open your mouth. Yeah, yeah. Well, people get tired, so they close their mouths. You, you now, see, people tell me to shut my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> but there are people who have larger mouths and people who have smaller mouths. Yeah. And when you're working on a person with a small mouth, particularly if you're working in the back on a on a molar, let's say an upper second molar, or even a wisdom tooth, which is a third molar, it's tough. Would it's you tough to would get you back there. would you rather a senior or a child? Oh, I don't. I don't. I like seniors. seniors. You do. Seniors are nice patients. They are. Are they? And they're appreciative. That's the nice thing. They're appreciative. Thank you. You looked after me. I really appreciate it. And that's nice. Is there any? Go also, ahead, with kids, some kids are are lovely. Yeah. I, I love kids. You know, I've got five grandkids. And, yes. Well, I have three great grandkids. Two more coming. Yeah. Uh, Mazel tov. So I love kids, and kids can be great. Uh, uh, I had a mother bring in two little girls a couple months ago. She'd been to another dentist, and it was not a good experience. And these kids had a little work, not tremendous. Anyways, it worked out great. They were fine. They were happy. Uh, the mother just was beside herself. You, you know why you love kids? Because well, you are a kid. Maybe. Yeah, you, you really are. You have a strong child inside of you. Maybe. Don't you feel that way? Maybe. Like you, you like to have a good time, don't you? Of course. Yeah, yeah. Of course. Um, balanced mm -hmm. lifestyle. It's good to be a dentist because you have a balanced lifestyle. Yeah. You you leave now around what five o'clock? Oh yeah, yeah five. Yeah. And now I'm instead of, I'm not working five days a week. I'm working three days a week, which is just perfect. 
Uh, how long will I work? That all depends how I feel. I'm, as I say, I'm having this hip replacement. Hopefully that's going to make me feel better. I would probably like to work another year. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I, I, I hope you do. I hope you stay in there till you're 95. I, no, that won't happen. I was with Linda Levenstein on Friday night at my sister. She's my uh, brother-in-law's sister. And she told me that she has been going to her dentist since she's six years old. He is now 93. Really? Yes. Yes. Do you remember, is it Gil Chapnick? I don't know, but he's I 93 so. years old. I know that, that Gil Chapnick, <laughs> well, if he's still practicing, I know he was last year. He was in his 90s. And I said, is his hand steady? She said, absolutely. Yeah, it's great. Isn't that fantastic? I will not be working until 90. You won't? No. You, you better not. find some hobbies. I know. So according to what you should know before you become a dentist, uh, the there's a lot of stress S working in a small area, right? We're, that's one thing they told us in school. People are upset about going to dentists because you're working in their mouth. Yeah which a lot of people associate being close to the brain, and that bothers people. Oh, is that right? I never thought of that myself. Mm -hmm. Damn, now I'm going mm -hmm. to. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Like drill right through the tooth. Well, I mean, that To the cerebral happen. cortex. Well, but people in their minds, you know, you're in, in there, and uh, it's it can be frightening. Oh, isn't yeah. that interesting? Mm. And do you look past the person when you're working... In other words, are you conscious of the fact that there's a, a woman lying in your chair, there's a guy there, do you, or do you just see the mouth and what your goal is at that point? No, I listen, I have a goal to fix what I have to fix, but I try to think of them as, as humans yes. and people, and, and they have feelings, and you know they have fears, and you try to allay the fears the yes. best you can. Um, the cost of a dental practice, it, apparently it's quite expensive. Um, yes, sure, because the equipment's very expensive. It is, isn't Rent it? Rent is expensive. It's it's very hard for, I feel for these young kids coming out now. Yeah. First of all, if they want to stay in the Toronto area, it, it's pretty saturated. It, you know, go to any corner, you're going to find one, two, three dentists on the corners. So, I mean, there's only so many patients to go around. Uh, so it's tough. So that's why a lot of the young guys are associating. They go into a practice with an older dentist. And maybe in time, if and when they retire, the older dentist, they can buy the practice. So they have something, you know. Have you ever heard of a dentist going out of business? It's like McDonald's. They never close. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> no, no, they I, don't. You mean going bankrupt or, or whatever? Yeah, I know. By the way, dentists, and tell me if you agree with me, they're terrible investors. Pretty bad. <laughs> I, I remember you bad. and I talking about yeah, that. They, they, that's just not how they think. Yeah, we're not business people. Uh, that's one thing they should teach more in dental school is the business aspect. Maybe they do now. Yeah, maybe they do. I know the curriculum has changed, but in our day, <clears throat> business was not taught. Vulnerability to infectious diseases. Have you ever stabbed yourself with a drill or whatever? I've stabbed myself. Yeah, yeah not very often. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but in all my years, I've never gotten an infection. You have not. No. You wear gloves now. But you didn't gloves, years ago, right? Years ago. Like when I was in dental school, we didn't wear gloves or a mask. Now you have to wear gloves. You have to wear a mask. It's, uh, the rules are, are very, very tough. They're stringent. They are very stringent. And for good reason. It's, it's good. It's it is good. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and then the last thing is business management. Yeah. Because you're a dentist, like being an artist, 
it doesn't necessarily mean you have a savvy for how to structure your business. And it is a business. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. So you try, you can take some courses, business courses, or if when it comes to finance, you get a financial advisor, someone that you trust. Did you do that? You. I did. Yes. And it helped? Very much. Yeah. Yeah, because you seem to have a lot going on when I come in. Like even today, while you were working on me, you turned to your assistant, Julie, who's lovely, by the way. She All is. your staff is terrific. I do have a great staff. And, and you know why? You hire the right people, and you also it, it comes from you. Well, I'd like to think. Well, that. you're such a warm, loving human being. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you're crusty. But yeah, of course. <laughs> I keep bringing that I've up. I've had my bad days. Well, who hasn't, yeah. right? But... Um, I think that's why, and I, I just, that's one of the things I've always um, been so drawn to you. Uh, the reason why is because is because of your warmth. Ooh, You're just you. a Hamish guy. You're a Hamish guy. Thank you. Um, I'm a Lithuanian, that's why. Is that why? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that means someone from Lithuania. I don't know. We're Litvaks. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm a Litvak too. <laughs> yeah. So listen, we were talking before about your parents. Your father's name was Louis. Mm-hmm. And um, I want you to know something that when I left your office today, there's a barbershop downstairs. Right. And I went in there and I uh, said, I just came from Saul Kendall and they know who you are, right? Do, is that where you get your haircut? No. Where, where do you get your haircut? I get my haircut at uh, my wife's uh, hairdresser. Well, how much do you pay? 35 bucks. Is it worth it? I think so. Yeah. And you still have hair. I still have hair and I don't color it. And and every time I go in there, she says, I can't believe your hair. Is that what she says? <laughs> You're 85 almost. You shouldn't have this color hair and you shouldn't have yeah. this much hair. Yeah. And look at this. Look at, my, look-, look at my head. Yeah. That's nice, right? Yeah. So I always say, look, my father died at 61, but he never went bald. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so Louis, your dad, and your dad was a barber. I, I, I mentioned going into the barber shop because they know who you are. I talked to them about the pole outside and what the meaning is behind that. I thought maybe maybe you go there for a haircut. Um, and you speak with your father. You speak about your father with great um, great warmth as well. Oh yeah. Um, do you, did you go to his barber shop? Would you hang out there at all? My father did. Oh, my father worked in a barber shop. I think before I was born and when I was small. And then he became a hospital barber. Oh. Yes. His first job, uh, let's see, I believe it was Western Hospital. Because remember, Avram, in those days, you went into the hospital. Right. You didn't come out like today in two days. Right. You were there for weeks. So people needed a haircut. People needed a shave. And that's what he did. And the best part was he used to bring me home tons of comic books Did he? and magazines because people would bring them. The patient would be finished. They said, Louie, you want these? Sure. He would take them. I had comic books stacked up to the ceiling. Do you still like comic books? I don't read comic books. Who, who was your favorite uh, comic book character? Oh, God. Mine was Richie Rich. Richie Rich? Yeah, I like Richie Rich, yeah. Who did no, you like? Spider-Man? Su- Superman. You like Superman? I did. Yeah. So my father used to bring home Pentatos. Which? Like, What's that? You're so not Jewish, you know. <laughs> Pentatos? Have you ever studied Torah? Not really. You haven't, right? No. I've never been curious about it. The Talmud. No. That amazes me. No. Yeah, not the end of the world. I never filled a cavity. <laughs> <laughs> I'll so, tell you a funny story about my father. Yeah, tell me about Luke. Yeah. So Louis goes into, he had his regular customers. He went into this guy who was in the 
private room. The guy was sleeping. He, he needed a shave. My father shaved him. After he shaved him, he went into the drawer. There was always whatever it cost, two bucks. To By the way, it was a straight razor. Oh, yeah. 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 I remember my father sharpening it on that long strap. Yeah. You know, that leather strap. Anyways, he comes out of the room. The nurse says, Louie, what are you doing in there with so-and-so? He says, well, he needed a shave. He says, Louie, the guy's dead. Oh, are you kidding me? <laughs> no. This is a true story. True story. Did he figure out he wasn't moving or well, something? Well, he, he thought he was sleeping. Isn't that something, <laughs> eh? So he would cut a sleeping guy's hair. No, he did a shave. He did Didn't a shave. Didn't a haircut. Uh, he just did a, a shave, yeah. The guy needed a shave. Well, he went to his grave and looking good. Yeah, he looked good. They didn't have to fix him up later, that's right? right? That's right. That's right. Did your father tell you stories about oh, yeah. cutting hair? Yeah. I don't remember too much. Did he? But this he, story I remember. That's a fascinating sure. story. What, what, did he enjoy his work? I don't really know of him. Uh, in those days, you did your job, you worked, you made some money, not a lot of money. You came home. Did he give you a nice uh, childhood? Well, my father loved the movies. Yes. And I loved the movies. So he used to take me to movies all the time. Yeah. I can remember one movie that scared the crap out of me. He took me to see The Wizard of Oz. That scared the crap out and of you. And then, do you do you remember the movie? Yes, and I've heard when that from others. those flying witches and that? Well, I don't think I slept for three nights. I've heard that, that from other kids. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Really scary movie. What other movies would he take you to? Oh, God. I like, who were your childhood uh, heroes on screen? Well, I went to see Gone with the Wind. Uh, I liked that. I went to see Bambi. I, I went to see a lot of movies. I love movies. I still like movies. Yeah, you do. Yeah. I know. Whenever I talk to you, you're, 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 you're going out either for dinner or you're going out to a movie the or trouble both. trouble is the movies, aren't, I don't like the movies these days. I don't either. They're all Marvel movies, Marvel comics. Yeah, and, destruction. Yeah. I know. That's right. The word is the world is coming to an end and these people are getting killed. It's, I know. it's not the same. And one guy saves the world. Yeah. What, what was your mother like? My mother was a nice lady. She was? All my boyfriends used to hang out at my house yeah. on Beatrice Street. I lived at 216 Beatrice. Uh, we moved there. For, I was born on Markham Street, Markham and Harvard, in a house owned by the Firestones. The Firestones uh, were a nice family. They, uh, I think they owned uh, some restaurants. Anyways, I was born there. Yes. Then we moved to College Street. Then I moved to Beatrice Street. No, then I moved to Markham Street, Markham and Harvard. <clears throat> and that's where I went to public school. I went to King Edward Public School. Right. From kindergarten to grade seven. Grade seven, we moved to Beatrice. Uh, then uh, I went to Clinton Public School. And I, I got to tell you, I still have memories of my grade eight teacher. He was probably... The best teacher I ever had. What was his name? Mr. Parsons. Yes. We never knew the first name. You don't never call them by a first name. No, God Not forbid. Not like now. Not like today. Mr. Parsons, he was a great teacher. He took us on field trips. He took us all over. It was a pleasure being in his class. Did you ever meet him again after you had left? No, I never did. Yeah, but you thought about him. I thought about him many times. Yes. And I was sorry after uh, I graduated from... Uh, high school i should have gone to see if he was still there he might not have been he was an older guy but he was terrific and then i went to harvard collegiate which was an amazing school yes amazing 
they turned out some top people, let me tell you. Is that where you played basketball? I did. I, in, in grade grade 11, I played on the junior basketball team, and we won the city championship. We didn't lose one game. We won every single one of our games, exhibition games, yeah. and uh, all all our, you know, up until the finals. And then we beat, I can still remember, Harvard had a small little gym. Right. But the finals were at Central Tech, which is over at Bathurst and Harvard. It's still around. Yeah, of course. They had a huge gym. Huge. Who were we playing? Danforth Tech. Mm -hmm. Danforth Tech came out. These guys were like gazoonies. <laughs> they were huge. Gazoonies. We, we said we're screwed. But we beat them. We beat them because we had a bunch of little Jewish guys yeah. that could shoot. And we won the championship. That was a highlight of, of my years. Were you forward? I was a guard. You were a guard? Yeah. And, and uh, do, how many points might you have gotten a game? Do you know? Some games, <laughs> five. Some games, ten. Some games, none. I'll depend. Like, what was your strength on the floor? Well, I could get rebounds because I was taller than most of the guys. Yeah, yeah. And it was... I remember our, our coach, his name was Mr. Robertson. He was a little wee guy. He was an army guy. He was out of the army. Yeah. And there was another teacher called Stapes Caldicott. Uh, he was a real, I think he was a general in the army. <laughs> was he tough? Everything. He was tough, but he was fair. Yeah. And I liked him very much. Well, the fact that you played ball, they kind of liked you more. You For sure. I mean? Yeah, yeah. That so, would endure. It's a little privilege. Uh, tell us some of the names of the guys on your team. I love the names. Okay, there was Owen Scheim. There was Marv Cohen. There was Howie Bopkin. There was Bernie Nisker. Uh, Dave Greenspoon. Uh, Sammy Helfenbaum. You, know, you must know Sammy Yeah, Helfenbaum. I know Sam. I know yeah. Sam, well-coiffed man. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Dave Berger, Alan Weisbrod. I think that's pretty, I think there were t 10 or 12 of them. Some of these guys you see around. Somebody, I, as a matter of fact, I just bumped into Owen Scheim, uh, who is a uh, very well-known lawyer who does arbitration cases okay. for big companies. I bumped into a restaurant about a week and a half ago, and we had a nice chit-chat. Do you yes. reminisce? Sure. We talked about the days, Yeah, the old days. Is there a particular play that you guys go to that you talk about, a particular game? No. It, no. No. We just talked about the fun we had. It's good. Right, right. Now, you used to get together. I don't. Do you still get together and um, play poker? Absolutely. How many years has that been going on? 67 years. With, with how many guys? Uh, right now, our club, our club started at the Y, down on Forty Four St. George, and then we moved into the building at Spadina and uh, Bloor. Right, right. Uh, we used to have meetings every Sunday. We had socials. We played other clubs, sports, basketball, baseball. Uh, at the high end, there was twenty-five guys. You guys are gone now, but now there are 12 of us that started 67 years ago to get together once a month. Amazing. We get together, we go for dinner, we go to somebody's house and play poker. I was just there last week. 
we've had three reunions. We just had a reunion uh, in June at, uh, do you know Santorini restaurant? Yes, I do. Upstairs. We had a great meal. What'd you order? Oh, I love the ribs. The, the ribs, ribs are, are yeah. great. You're a big steak guy. <laughs> yeah. Do you still eat steak? Yeah. And nuts. you can digest that, eh? Oh, yeah. Wow, you little yeah. bugger. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and so we had a great evening, and uh, it was terrific. So the 12 of us still get together once a month. We were written up in the paper. One of my friends. I, I remember the article. Yeah. yeah, one of my friends, Bill Mandel, his daughter, her name is Michelle Mandel. She mm. writes for The Sun. Yes, she does. And she wrote a story a number of years ago about these guys. What's it, like to, what's it like to have a friend from 67 years ago? It's great. It must be. Old friends are best friends. All right. Isn't that right? And they you know, know you. They know you. There's no bullshitting. Right. You meet somebody new, you start telling them bullshit about how you're so good at this, <laughs> how good at that, what you've done. These guys, you tell them that, they say, you're full of shit. <laughs> right, right. right they, I knew you when. <laughs> right, right, right. Ochenvei, be yeah. a dentist. I knew you when you were, yeah, you Yeah, know. you were a pitcher. <laughs> right, right. So it, it's great. I love these guys. What are the stakes like in the game? Well, I'll tell you. If you're a big winner, you might win 50 bucks. Okay. And the same thing if you're a big loser, you might lose 50 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. We play quarters. We play one game. We don't know any other game. It's it's you get five cards and there's five cards on the table. And you open the cards one at a time and you bet. And there's two ways of winning. The high poker hand and what's called if if you get the like a one, two, three, four, five, that's an automatic winner. Okay. It's the low hand wins and the high hand wins. Oh. And it's it's great. And this is we what don't you, play any other game. That's, that's how you, we play. You've been playing that for years because we're too stupid to play. <laughs> Are you a good poker player? I don't know. I win. I lose. You know. I don't know. You just have a good I'm time. Okay. Oh yeah. yeah. So uh, we were talking before about your father. We we're talking yeah. about uh, being a barber. Yeah. Uh, there's something that I guess part of your father's legacy is that he left you his bunkus. 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 So tell us what bunkus are. Well, first of all, let me tell you, my father comes from a family of felchers. Do you know what a felcher is? I do not. A felcher is a doctor barber. In other words, they're not really doctors, but they did a lot of stuff for people in the health field. Like surgery. I don't know if they did surgery. I was but kidding. Certainly, uh, they did bunkers. Bunkers are small little glass cups. They almost look like, I don't know if you remember, the little creamers used to come in little cups about this big. Yeah. And what, because I used to go with my father. We used to go on Sundays to, to his friends who were having back pain. And so what you do is you, you boil a pot of water, you put these little bunkers in, you drop them in, you take them out, and you place them on the bare back. Yes. What happens is the suction pulls the skin up so you get like a welt, you know, and you leave them on for a little while, and then you pop them off. Not very pleasant. It hurts? It hurts like hell. Does it? But apparently the idea is it's supposed to, let's say you have arthritis. It's supposed to draw it out. Does it? But they, I don't know. They seem to think that it helped them. Listen, Avram, the Chinese use cupping. Yeah, cupping no, uh, their bunkers. Oh, and Russians too. Yeah, yeah, is it's this, still used. Right, so listen to this. Cupping therapy is an ancient form of alternative medicine uh, in which a therapist puts special cups on your skin for a few minutes to create suction. Uh, 
People get it for many purposes, including to help with pain, inflammation, blood flow, relaxation, well-being, and as a type of deep tissue uh, massage. Now, there are three different types of bankus. Do you know what they are? What do you think they would be made out of what? I would think. I thought they were all made out of glass. So, yeah. So, uh, some cultures have earthenware. Oh, is that right? And then others have silicone. Oh. Now, here's an interesting take. It didn't start, you know, with an old Yiddish guy in downtown Toronto. Cupping therapy might be trendy now, but it's not new. It dates back to ancient Egyptian, Chinese, and Middle Eastern culture. One of the oldest medical textbooks in the world, the Ebers Papyrus. You ever heard of that? No. Yeah. Describes how the ancient Egyptians used cupping therapy in 1550 B.C. Have you ever heard of Gahakta Bankas? No. What's Gahakta Bankas? Oh, that's bad. What is that? If you're really in bad shape, (laughs) they used to believe in bloodletting. So what they would do, they would pop these things and you would get all these welt and then you cut them and you bleed them. It's like bleeding. It's like some, some people use leeches to suck out the blood. Well, this is a similar thing. Now, were you okay with your father taking you? Yeah, he never did the Gahaktabankas, but he told but me But the other ones. Yeah, just the regular bunkers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the reason I asked this is, and I told this on another show, my mother, her best friend was Minnie. Yeah? Minnie Light was her name. It's an interesting name, Minnie Light. Yeah. I love the names from your generation. <laughs> yeah, I do. Uh, um, and her father was a shochet. Okay. Yeah, he slaughtered animals. Yeah, I know a shochet. Yes, yeah, I'm telling my listeners. So he would take them. They were four years old, my mother would tell a story. Yeah, yeah. He would take my mother, Giti, and her friend Minnie to the slaughterhouse, and he would say, "Come, show! I'll show you how we kill the animals." Don't they twirl them around? No, that's all Jewish holiday. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, you're mixing things up. <laughs> My, you're so learned. And, and here was your father taking you to Bankus. How old could you have been? Oh God, six, seven, do, eight. Do, do, do you remember that in a way like, oh, like? No, uh, it wasn't was, that. Not at all. No. Yeah. Because my my friends, my parents' friends, whoever he went to, at the end would thank him. I feel better. Thank you very much. He also used to do something else. He used to make what's called a physic. You know what a physic is? I do not. A physic is a laxative. Okay. He would make a natural laxative out of prunes, plums, molasses. Uh, uh, what else? I don't know, other fruits, and he would grind it up. I can remember. It came out like really dark brown, gooey stuff. I'm getting diarrhea thinking about it. The people, he would make little jars, and I don't think he even sold it. I think he just gave it to his Well, yeah, who's going to buy it? And apparently they worked. It worked. (laughs) Better than X-Lax, better than anything. So he was a good barber and he was a good doctor. There you go. Yeah, very good. Would you ever give that to your patients? Like, I've just filled a molar and <laughs> no. here's a diuretic. Here's, <laughs> no, here's a laxative. A laxative? Yeah. yeah. I can still remember. He remember. I remember him doing it. We used to have a thing. I don't know if you at your house. It was a grinder. You would attach it to the bottom of the table and you would feed it and with a handle. I know it. And it would come out like there were holes and it would come out like in snakes. Yes, I know worms. it. Worms. Right. That's how we used to make it. That's why that's how my mother made liver. Yeah. Yeah, she would stick in the raw liver and yeah, it come out sure. like wormy. Yeah. 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 Do, do you think we uh coddle our children today? Oh, there's no question. Do we? Oh, More yeah. than your parents would have coddled you? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. 
Well, isn't that the major complaint of the millennials? They're they're over protected, they're they're entitled. I have people that have millennials working in their big firm. They're a pain in the ass. Is that what they say? If if you don't encourage them or if you say something bad, they say, Well, I'm leaving. I'm going to another job. Yeah. That's too bad. Yeah. It's not good that much way. different than when you were growing up, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Like uh, nowadays, let's say a kid's in public school. Let's say he's 10 years old. This I know for a fact happened. This friend of mine who's a teacher, who I won't say her name, she was a, a hall monitor. And the kids, one kid was straggling out, schlepping, like holding up the whole line. So she patted him on the shoulder and said, come on, George. Or whatever. Let's and go, yeah. He said, take your hand off me. You don't think he went home, told his parents? They came back to the school with the principal and gave her hell because she put her hand on this kid? Yeah, what was the outcome? The outcome was nothing, nothing. She was slightly reprimanded, but that's disgusting. Yeah. Like, if I ever came home and said my teacher said, let's say, something that I was not good and I don't like my teacher, my parents would say, your teacher is the boss. That's right. Whatever the teacher says, that goes. And it's the same thing now, I think, with police. People don't have respect for the police. Right. They just don't. Right. And it's it's terrible. Yeah, times have changed. Oh. Yeah. Were you ever hit? Were you ever hit as a kid? Hit? Uh no, I don't remember ever being hit. I had a Miss Darling in Shepherd Public School. Oh, you're talking about hit in school? In school, yeah. Oh, I got the strap once. Yeah, do you remember that? From Mr. Gang. He, the only Jewish teacher in the whole school at King Edward. Yeah, self-hating Jew, I guess. I don't know. He was a little guy. And to give you the strap, you know, I remember it's, it was a black book with a, a strap about the A wide. And the worst thing, though, is not just getting a strap. Your name went in the black book. Oh, did it? That was bad. Oh. You would put out your hand, bang, next hand, bang. You slapped your hand. Yeah. How humiliating. Yeah. I, I had Miss Darling, and, and she would shake us. She was about seven, maybe eight feet tall, probably about 800 pounds. Oh, really? <laughs> well, I mean, that's how we saw her. Yeah, and, and I remember she came up once behind me and she just shook the living daylights out of me. Like we were petrified of this woman. Yeah, you I'm know? sure. Yeah. I'm sure. One can, you know, you think about teachers being very demure and loving. <laughs> she she really she was. was she was like, oh, she was like a general. Yeah. Oh, yeah, terrifying. Well, nowadays the teachers, I don't think they discipline the kids like they used to. Well, they're a little bit hand-strung. Like they, they, it's a different time, as you say. The rules are dramatically yeah. different. I uh, interviewed a teacher a few weeks ago, Rachel Mamm, and she was sitting in your chair right there. And she said to me, as you said before, she said there's a rule in, in the Toronto District School Board that there's no affection to children, there's no touching children. Um, and she finds that dramatically hard because she's a loving, caring human being. And she's teaching five-year-olds, kindergarten. Yeah, little kids. Yeah. She goes, I don't want to teach them that. Yeah. Um, Saul, so one of the, the things that I find quite amazing about you and your wife, Yetta, is that uh, there's a strength about you. There really is. Well, we've been through a lot of crap. You guys have been through a lot of crap. And I, the worst thing was that you have lost two boys. That's right. 
you had five children, yes, right? Yes, we did. You had four boys and a girl. Correct. Very, very lovely kids, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, terrific kids. That They're like you. No, they really are. They're uh, soft and gentle. Well, I'd like to think so. Yeah. And yet a two. Yeah. And a wonderful cook, by the way. Great kids. <laughs> That's right. A great cook. So um, many years ago, um, your first son, Darren, mm -hmm. was uh, in a car accident. He was killed, yes. right? Avram, it'll be 37 years on August the 19th this year. Yeah. Yeah. Is it like it just happened? I never forget it. Yeah. Never. No. What, what was it he, never goes away. What was he like? He was a great kid. Of all my kids, he was the best athlete. Yeah. He was probably one, one of the better students. But he was... He was a great football player because my kids, Neil was the only one that played hockey for one year. My other kids didn't like hockey. My kids played football, North York football. Yes. And he was a great football player. What position did he play? He was a halfback. He right. was small, but he was very fast. Yeah. I'll tell you a funny story. When they, Him and David were on the same team. David, your, David's your son. Yeah. Should live a long life. Thank you. Uh, they won the championship, and he was given the game ball. There, all the guys signed the ball. Number of years later, I don't know yet. We had the ball on a shelf. Yetta thought it was dusty. She washed it off. Did all, she wash it off? All the names came <laughs> off. Yeah, but that's okay. My mother cleaned up my entire closet. The last newspaper Globe and Mail that I delivered, there was a naked woman on the front. She was covered, covered uh -huh. with something, but she had ran on a, a football field or whatever. Yeah. What did they used to call that when you'd run on naked? Uh, there was a word for it. Uh, It'll come to us. Streakers. Streakers. You remember streakers? Sure. And my mother threw that out. She threw my fireworks out, you know? Well, I had a collection of, I don't, do you remember little big, little books? There were little books about this big, yeah, thick, yeah, yeah. with stories. They're collectible. I had a ton of them. And your mom threw them out. I don't know. I what. had a, a bunch of, Little tin soldiers that are worth a lot of money. Gone. You know something? You could have quit dentistry early on. That's right. I don't know what mothers soldiers. are thinking. Like, I clean up my son's room, and sometimes I do think, okay, I'll toss this out. But then I remind myself, it's not mine to toss That's out. That's right. Yeah, exactly. So he was a great football player. Yeah, he was. My other kids were good athletes, too. Also good he, athletes? He was, he was the top, though. So I always wondered, I never asked you this, but the thing that I'm always... Uh, in wonderment about is um, he was in a car accident. Mm -hmm. There were what four boys in the car? No, there was. He was in the front. He was a passenger. There was a young lady driving the car, and there was a, a boy in the back seat. And they were coming from a picnic. It was in the summer, of course, August. Uh, he worked at uh, Frank Vitier's Pizza Place, right? And they were having a uh, uh, picnic out. I don't know, out, out west. And they were coming along, they were driving. Like west of Toronto. Yeah, west of Toronto. Uh, they were driving eastward on Highway 9, which at that time was a two-lane highway. Yeah. And what happened was, apparently, I don't know if it was raining or maybe it was a little slick, her front tire caught the soft shoulder and she spun out. And she went across the other side and at the same time, a ladder, you know, those little yeah, Russian Yeah, I remember cars, the ladders, yeah. Hit him dead on. Killed her, killed him. 
The kid in the back was not killed. He was injured. I don't know whatever happened to him. So that's what happened. So you get a call? I got a call. Uh, in, in fact, I can't quite remember who the call was. Yeah, that to come up to uh, the hospital in... Uh, oh. Out of town. Yeah, uh, not not Aurora. What's next after Aurora? Newmarket. Newmarket, yeah. He was in the Newmarket Hospital. And I remember going in, and he was lying on a table. And I remember his tooth was chipped. And he was gone. He was gone. And uh, You went in with Yetta? No, she wouldn't go in. I went in myself. I gave him a kiss on his forehead. I said goodbye. I went home and started phoning. I phoned Neil because he was... He was uh, living uh, downtown. He Which is another university. one of your sons, yeah. And uh, that was it. What, what happened afterwards? You sat Shiva? Of course. Yeah. We buried him. We sat Shiva. Avram, you go on with your life. Yeah, you do. Like people said, especially Tieta, how, how do you survive? So she said, what are you going to do? You're going to lie down and die? We've got four other kids. You can't. Yeah. You have to go on. I mean, you never stop thinking about them. The pain never goes away. And uh, you just go on and do the best you can. And then, um, what was it, four years Five ago? Five years ago. Five years ago. Neil died. Your son Neil died. Yeah. You were in partnership with him. You shared yes. that, that dentist office. Yes. And I, of course, I knew Neil through the United Jewish Appeal yeah. and coming to your office. Yeah. He was a really meticulous guy. Yes, he was. The, your, your, um, your employees at the office told me that he would often stay like till two, three in the morning. Yeah. Worked hard. He was nuts. <laughs> yeah, he worked hard, right? Yeah. Yeah. What, what was it like to share an office with your son? It was great. Was it nice? It was great. Like, what, what, what was so nice about it? Just being with him every day. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, it was special. You had a, you had a great relationship, we right? We did. We really did. In all the years, I think it was 30 years that we were together, we never had an argument. Really? Never. We had a few disagreements about some things, but never an argument where we got mad at each other. Never happened. Every day I go into the office and I, I'll see a chart with little notes. He had a scribbly handwriting. Brings back memories. I can only Sad. imagine. How did you go back after he passed away? You went back like a couple of days later. No, I went after back the after Shiva. Shiva. Yeah. I was surprised how quickly you went back. I wasn't going to stay at home. Yeah, I understand. I figured, you know, you jump back in and maybe it'll help you ease the pain. Yeah. 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 I think Neil died of a heart attack. Is that right? Well, he never had an autopsy. So uh, we assume that. We don't know 100%. Maybe it was an aneurysm, whatever it was, it S did him in. So you lose a son, it's the worst thing in the world to lose a child, worse than a spouse, and then you lose a second son. What, what were you thinking? I was thinking, why us? You thought that? Absolutely. I thought, why us? We're not bad people. We're not at all. People. Why did it happen to us? I don't know. Nobody's given me an answer. And your relationship to God changed. Well, I never really had a strong relationship, but after, well, after Darren, I sort of lost it, and after Neil, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. 
I know. I talked to you about it. I mean, we kind of we kind of laugh about it because, like, I go, "Are you going to shul on the high holidays?" You know, no, I'm not this year. Well, why should I? I have to go because Yetta wants to. Yetta wants you to go. Yeah. If it was up to me, I wouldn't go. You would not. No. So you don't pray. No. Did you ever pray? I think in the when the kids were small. Yeah, yeah. I think I did. Yeah. Yeah. There's a piece that I uh, printed up here. And it's um, it's actually a beautiful piece, and it addresses some of the things that people, parents feel um, when they lose a child. It's it, it's called "What I Wish More People Understood About Losing a Child." So I'm going to tell you a couple of these things, and, and you just respond however you want. Um, the first thing is, it's very important to parents again, who've lost a child, that people understand um, that to them, they still have a child. Even though that child, they can't speak to them, mm-hmm. right? Like when people say, how many kids do you have? What do, what do you say nowadays? Five. You say five, right? Right. And three of them are living and two of them aren't. But you say five. Mm-hmm. And for, for what the author of this article writes is, is simply that, that people need to understand they're in our hearts. They're still alive mm-hmm. or they're still, they still exist to us. Is that your experience? I still at times feel some kind of presence. Yeah. Not often, but sometimes it's funny. I'll tell you a funny story. Uh, last year, my son, Sean dragged us to a psychic a woman. Nice lady. Oh, did he? Yeah. And, uh, we went and she said a few things, but one thing that was happening that was very funny, uh, our kitchen window faces the backyard. Yes. And for some reason last year, we had this stupid, crazy red bird kept flying into the window, yeah. banging the window, banging the window. We would shoo him away. In fact, we bought a big owl to sit on. <laughs> Did you? But this woman says she thinks it was Neil. <laughs> Is that what she said? That's what she said. Yeah. So, I mean, years ago, I was being interviewed by somebody, and this same topic came up. She had lost her husband, and she said when her husband died, a bird, I think it was a bluebird, came and sat in her backyard and stayed there for an entire month and did not leave until, you know, for whatever, its mission was over. Really? And she was convinced it was her husband. Yeah. Well, the bird doesn't come anymore this summer, but it came. It would come 10, 15 times a day and just whack the beak into the window you could hear the bang it's not something do do you feel you'll see your boys again i'd like to think so yeah i don't know though. you just don't know yeah i don't know so here's what she writes as well in this article what i wish more people understood about losing a child except that you can't fix us as an out-of-order death such as a child loss breaks a person in a way that is not fixable or solvable ever we will learn to pick up the pieces and move forward, but our lives will never be the same. True, I agree with that. It, 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 very often you'll hear from people, okay, well, it's enough already. Get over it. Stop grieving. Mm, that happened only, I think, once with Darren, with someone who really wasn't a close friend, and she said, just like you said, it's enough. But it's never enough. It never ends. You know, I mean, we don't walk around crying, 
and saying, oh my God, where is he? What's going on? Why haven't we, why did he die? No, we don't do that, but it's it's in your head. It's in your head. You know, you think about them. Certain things ha happen. It reminds you of them. You know, it's... Uh, my daughter, Dana, uh, her son is named Darren. Yes. And he's a lovely kid. And I see things where he'll do something that it sort of reminds me of Darren. Right. You know? It's nice. So my sister, Chavi, her husband, David, was murdered. Right, of course. And she has, thank God, six children. And there's a couple of them in there who have kids who they, they've named David. Mm -hmm. And, of course, she says the same thing. She sees David in those children. Yeah, yeah. And now I have three great-grandchildren, two girls and a boy. And I'm getting another girl, and I'm getting another one. Uh, Neil's youngest is yeah. expecting. Yeah. You don't know what it is. But she's so I'm going to have five great-grandkids, and these kids are a joy. Are they? Oh, you have no idea. How much pleasure they get. So they bring you pleasure. Oh, endless. Just being with them and fooling around with them. They're, they're lovely. They're great. So what she writes in that light is, we've suffered so badly, those who have lost a child, and we've gone to the greatest depths of sorrow that on the flip side, the gifts that come with our experiences can be so great that we can celebrate life oh, in yeah. a huge way. Oh, yeah. So so you've obviously been inordinately sad. You've lost two of your sons. Yeah. When you are happy and when you are joyful, is it like a real powerful joy? It's very good. It, it is. Very good. Yeah. 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 Um. She says there's two days out of the year that we need time out. Don't bother us these two days. We still count birthdays and fantasize what our child would be like if he or she were still living. Birthdays are especially hard for us. Our heartaches to celebrate our child's arrival into this world. But we are left becoming intensely aware of the hole in our hearts instead. Do you think about dates? Or does well, Yetta? Well, I, I think of their birthdays, but I, it doesn't mean... It's just a sort of a extra remembrance, but it doesn't make me sad, terrible, terribly sad on his on their birthday. It does not. No, like we're going on Sunday, which is the 18th. We go to the cemetery. Uh, my kids, whoever is here, my grandkids, and we just go and uh, uh, we go to Darren's grave, and uh, we say Kaddish. And uh, I have these little books from Benjamin's, and they have some sayings in there uh, that yet and I read, and then the kids read. Right. You know, losing a brother, losing a child. We go to Darren, and it so happens that it's at uh, Partishal. Which is north of the city. Yeah, which is two minutes from my house. And then Neil, and we go over to Neil's because they're very close to each other. Not in the same... Uh, section but very close so we of course we go see him yeah and you you accept that this happened to you what choice do you no have? I mean that's there's no choice it wasn't believe me it wasn't my doing no but you have to accept it yeah you know she says uh, realize that we struggle every day with happiness well I don't know if I'd say that I don't think so Listen, 
right now I'm not in a good place because I'm in pain with this hip issue. But because of losing the kids, you can't ex have happy days. I don't agree with that. Well, she doesn't say that you don't have happy days. I thought day. she said that. Yeah, she says it's an ongoing battle to balance the pain and guilt of outliving your child with the desire to live in a way that honors them and their time on this earth. Um, she says you're, you're constantly balancing balancing out those two. But she, again, she's not saying that there's no happiness in her no. life. She's saying it, it's a battle. It's a struggle. I don't know. I, I find when I'm happy, especially when I'm around the little kids, I don't think about the sad things. Yeah. No, it right. washes out the uh, the bad part. And then finally, she says, accept the fact that our loss might make you uncomfortable. In other words, me uncomfortable. That sometimes people are very, very... Does it make you uncomfortable? Well, no, it doesn't because I'm... Look, I'm a really open fellow and I, yeah. I want to know. And sometimes I'll talk to people about their losses because I figure they want to talk about it. Mm -hmm. Right? I figure they want to talk about it. My sister, Javi... Um, she's still married to David, even though he's not here. Yeah. You know, and on her anniversary, she'll tell me it's our anniversary today. I said, "Well, muzzle tough." <laughs> you yeah. know, I come at it differently than most people. But like she would never marry again. I don't think so. No, I don't think so. But but what she's saying in this article is there's a discomfort that people have, mm -hmm. knowing that you've lost two two children. No, people don't know how to deal with it. That's true. Yeah. But it was a lot worse at the beginning. You know, as time goes on. Uh, listen, people still say, uh, listen, you've been through hell, and we know that. And, but we don't really have discussions about it or talk about it or linger on it. You know, there's no point. Yeah. 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 I know how I feel. I know how Yetta feels. And Do you two talk about it? We talk about the kids sometimes. Not a lot. Probably not enough. We probably should bring things up more. Yeah. Uh, but we might say, oh, Neil did this, or Darren did this. Like yesterday, as a matter of fact, I was listening to, uh, I have in my backyard, a uh, one of those Bose uh, disc players, and I was playing a piece. It's called The Planets by Holst. I know it. Neil loved it. Did he? And I love listening to it. And when I listen to that, I think of him. Yeah. Because I know he really liked that piece of music. Yeah. Yeah. Do you still have the memorial? classical music that you play at the temple you mean the uh you used to have a memorial once a year yeah we don't go to that anymore. you don't do that anymore no no how i think we they well there was a whole political thing with darren and uh, it used to be the darren fund and then they changed it to the ben uh, whatever it was political yeah so yeah. it sort of turned us off yeah so they okay. still have i think the concert and there's still money in there from darren's fund there is yeah, that goes toward a uh, Jewish musician kid, you know, for studying. When you meet other uh, parents who are uh, grieving the loss of a child, is there a certain bond that you have with them? A certain understanding I, that you I know both they and, and I you. I don't have too many friends that have lost kids, to be honest with you. Oh, thank God, actually. No. Yeah. No, but I would imagine if I did, I, there would be a certain bond. Like... People at the beginning, when this happened, either case, they would say, I know how you feel. And I, was, I didn't say it out loud, but I would say to myself, you have no idea how I feel. Yeah. But, you know, people mean, you know, to be 
understanding or kind and that, but you don't know what it feels like until you actually, unfortunately, have to go through it. Yeah, apparently, according to the stuff that I read, it's the loneliest of feelings. Yeah. Yeah. Fortunately, we had three other kids. Uh, I feel for parents who lose a child and it's their only child. I don't know how they survive. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's got to be a a killer. Absolutely. Yeah, I knew somebody in Kitchener who went through that, their only child. There's a lot of people that lose one child, and it's awful. So with your experiences, what, what message would you give to people who... It's raw in their lives. They lost a child in the last year. What's the most important thing to remember? You just have to keep going. Yeah. Keep going and look ahead and try and find good things in your life. You know, that's pretty well it. And that's what you've done. Yeah, we try. Yeah. Like I know a lot of cases that we've heard of when you lose a child, a lot of marriage breaks up. Break up. Not unusual, right? Not unusual at all. And with us, it worked the other way. I think ours was stronger. But it's it's tough. Very tough. Well, I have to tell you that um, watching you, and I know that you, know, you and I share a lot of friends. Yeah. People have great respect for you and your wife and the family for how you deal with your stuff. Well, I'd like to think so. No, really. Because, I'm, I mean, I think you're a lot stronger than I am. And you step up, you step up, you really do. It's like, you got to keep going, you keep your head up and you keep moving forward. Yeah. That's a beautiful, beautiful character trait you have. Thank you. Honestly. I appreciate that. You know, and you're an inspiration to a lot of people that way. That's, that's one of the, I forgot when I speak to some of these younger dentists, they say, you're an inspiration. I can't believe you've been doing this for almost 60 years. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's an, that's a nice legacy, you are, I think. You are an inspiration. Well, I'd yeah. like to think so. And your wife, too. Well, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. It was a pleasure talking to you. I, I really enjoyed this. Yeah, song. it was a lot easier than I thought it would be. Well, were be you worried about it? Not worried. You know, you're apprehensive a little. You don't know. Yeah. But it was it was fine. Listen. And you're you're good to talk to anyways. Thank you for saying that. I, I, I think that this is a great opportunity as old friends um, sort of to... Uh, get to know each other in a way that we wouldn't normally do. This is an hour conversation. Right. And we covered a lot of ground. Yes, we did. And I've known you for many years, but there's questions I haven't asked you. Sure. Right? And uh, you're quite the gentleman. You answer all the questions. Well, I tried. Like I asked you at the beginning of the show, I said, Saul, is there anything you don't want to talk about? You said no. (laughs) (laughs) If there was something you asked and I didn't want to answer, I would say I really don't want to go there. Oh, you were great, man. You were great. Well, I love you a lot, Saul. I really do. I love you too. Not too many people have been in my mouth, you know. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to close off the show, um, and as we do, I just want to uh, talk about a couple of things. My niece, Devorah, my eldest sister's second daughter, came in from Israel, and she came to Toronto for uh, five days. She's going to New York for the week and then to Houston to visit her brother. She's uh, around 42, 43 years old. She has five kids. She's a single mom, and we sat here and we did an interview. Uh, we recorded it and it's going to be for release probably next week. She's an amazing person. You, you, do you have any Israeli patients? I have a few. As a matter of fact, it's funny. I have one patient just came in last week. She comes in. Her parents live here. She lives in Israel. Yeah. Uh, when she comes in, she 
makes an appointment. She gets her teeth cleaned. I check her teeth. I just saw her last week. She got a big belly. Number seven. Number seven. She's got six kids at home. Is she religious? She's religious. Oh yeah. yeah. Orthodox. She's a beautiful girl. Beautiful face. Beautiful person. Well, what kind of spirit does she have? Oh, she's great. Yeah. I said, how do you manage? Oh, she says, I manage. I said, I manage. My, she says to me, my kids are so excited for this new baby. Yeah. I said, that's amazing. Yeah, that's wonderful. And she's she's a sweetheart. So, so my niece, even though she was born here and she made Aliyah, which means she went up to Israel, mm-hmm. she moved to Israel, uh, she really has that inimitable Israeli spirit. It's uh-huh. full of gangbuster, right? Full of zest and verve, yeah. right? So it's a great interview, and I really want people to turn into oh, that, great. tune into that, because um, she's a terrific girl, and, and I just loved so much How speaking with her. How and where do you f- hear this? Right. So what we need to do is uh, we need to go to hatradio.ca. I will forward you the link. Again, your colleagues in the office, immediately they said, as soon as it's posted, let us know. Send us the link. We want to hear it. You have a lot of fans. Oh, thank so you. don't worry. We'll take care of you. So... What will you do? You will send it to my computer if I give you my mm-hmm. email address? Yes, I will. Yes, I will. Okay. Do you want to take it down? No, we'll do that after the show. There's okay. a couple of things I we need to say. We still talking? Yeah, we're... <laughs> okay. By the way, why do dentists ask questions when they have their hands in your mouth? Why do they... How am I supposed to answer that? <laughs> Everyone wants <That's>... to know that. <laughs> what are you guys I doing? Know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing today, Albert? Well, I'll tell you if you take your hands out <laughs> yeah, of my... You know. Yeah, well... It's part of the- so listen to this. Were you when I did commercial radio here in Toronto, the Marty and Avram uh, Food Guys? Were you on our show? Did you not come on our show? I don't think so. All I know is my daughter Dana still tells a story. Yeah. That you spoke to her and you were going, I think it was North Forty Four to do a, a dinner. Yeah. And you invited her. She said it was the best dinner she's ever had. Is that what she said? Yeah, she did. This is one she of the still top talks about it. one of the top restaurants in the city. Yeah. I don't think it's open anymore, is it? No. Right. And not. across street was Chantro and they were yes. always in competition. Yes. But we we did Marty yeah. and I did this show for ten years and it was phenomenal. We had a huge following. Anyway, so Marty and I, we, we were still very close friends. We love each other. I but, saw Marty. I spoke to him at your bar mitzvah. That's right, at my son's bar mitzvah, yeah. yeah. So Marty just launched a podcast of his own. Oh, really? Yeah, you know what it's on? What? Marijuana. Really? Marijuana. Yeah, yeah. Marty doesn't smoke marijuana. Do you? Do you smoke marijuana? No. Have you ever? We won't get into that. Oh, yeah, we, yeah. <laughs> I guess that's a yes. In youth. Well, I don't know if you know, but my daughter has a marijuana story. Yeah, that's a phenomenal thing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Was there a draw or something? There was a draw. She won. She won the lottery. My God! One of five people in Toronto. Out, out of, of do you know how many people? Forty thousand or something. What? And she literally opened a store. She has a store. She's in business. What now. does she sell? She sells marijuana. Wow. Yeah. Do you ever go in and buy a bag? I have. I was at the opening of the store. I haven't been since. Uh, yeah, she's on uh, Young, just south of college. Do you ever use your laughing gas in the office? Sometimes. Yeah. Do there are patients that want that? Yeah. Yeah. They it relaxes them. Okay. Sometimes I'll use it with kids. It works very well. The kids are good with that. I don't have to give them a needle. So so Marty's new podcast about marijuana. It's called A Taste of Life, and it's slated to come to air two weeks from now. Um, You could probably hear more about it uh, from my Facebook page. But he recorded it his first show yesterday, and here's the thing: is that Marty was close to death. 
I know he was very ill. His his kidneys were at ten percent or eight percent, and we actually had an intervention with him. We told him, "You're going to die. Yeah, we're going to die. You're going to die." We did a chicken nest. You know the restaurant Lawrence and Bathurst. Uh-huh. It's good chicken. <laughs> it is. Yeah, Lawrence and Bathurst. We did the intervention, having oh. a very good dinner. Oh, okay. You know how that works. So um, he woke up. He woke up and he decided I'm going to go in and he goes for dialysis three times a week. Good for him. Yes. And he struggled with it, but now he's kind of getting in, you know, he's settling in. And uh, I had him on a show. And once I had him on one of my shows, uh, he realized he wanted it for himself. Okay. So he's doing a show on marijuana. So what does he talk to people about? He talks about cooking with marijuana. Oh. Yeah. He talks about things you need to be aware of. He's got two or three guys that he works with on the show, um, and he's going to make it big. Marty, Marty has this inimitable ability to find sponsors wherever he goes. I mean, I, I've told these stories before. We did a show on, on my podcast, Marty and Avram, the, the old days, and we he tells stories about he's sitting at a restaurant, and there's a fellow next to him, and he starts schmoozing. He's a serious schmoozer. Um and they're talking, talking. And the guy goes, what do you do? He goes, well, I've, Marty says, I have a radio show. He goes, what do you do? He goes, well, you know, I, I work at a, a watch company. He goes, oh, that's nice. Can you give me your card? He gives him the card. He's the president of Timex. <laughs> you know, and this happened to him regularly. So we had superstars on our show. Superstars, you know. Uh, Michael Bublé was on our show. Oh, really? Yeah, Engelbert Humperdinck. That's great. I introduced my mother to him. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, so you got to be open to that. That's coming your way. And other than that, um, once again, thank you so much for doing You're this. You're very welcome. Yeah. I really, really appreciate our friendship. Right. You're, yeah, absolutely. You're, and I'm so happy you're my dentist. Well, I'm happy you're my patient. Yeah, thank you so much. Do you get excited when I come in? Excited? Yeah. I don't get excited about it. <laughs> like when you look at the day's roster. Oh, yeah, there is some patients I say, oh, I'm nice to see them or... I have to see them. <laughs> but no, but that must be a nice thing about being a dentist yeah. is you get to see people. They come to you. Yes, they do. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Anyways, to my listeners, thank you so much for listening. Um, what, what we hope you take out of this show is a great sense of courage and bravery that Saul and his wife and family have. Um, it was also very enjoyable to hear about the old days and basketball um, and bunkus. And bunkus, yeah. If you need any, would you do bunkus on people nowadays? I don't think so. You would not. Okay. No. <laughs> Stay tuned because we have a great show coming up uh, next week. Um, and other than that, you've been listening to Hat Radio. It's the show that schmoozes. Do you like that? The show that schmoozes. And God bless. Avram Rosenzweig began public speaking when he was five years old. Over the last five decades, Avram has mastered the art of public speaking. Today, Avram is a professional speech writer and speech coach. He offers a wide selection of services that can assist you in preparing for public speaking events, speeches for family or professional occasions, a keynote, a memorial, or a simple toast. Avram can also coach you through articulation and presentation challenges. For all your speech writing needs, send Avram an email at info at hatradio.ca. That's info at hatradio.ca. You've been listening to Hat Radio with Avram Rosenzweig, sponsored by Goodness and Positivity. Hat Radio, the show that schmoozes. Step inside my living room, share a little talk by road.
roads walked and lessons learned Keeping the flame of faith burning I wanna know where you've been And what you found out Spread some light in the darkness Spread it all about In the height In the 